Hey friends, it's Rena Olson. Welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Today on this episode, we have Dave Burgess. Dave is the president of the nonprofit organization Ubora TZ. Ubora TZ serves orphans, widows, and families living in the shadow of Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. So Dave's personal professional journey is both hope-filled and purely inspirational. As he felt the call of God on his heart to move from that of being an engineer to serving this nonprofit organization, Dave Burgess, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Thank you. Hey, Rena. Awesome. Well, hey, super excited to uh, just have a conversation with you. Your connection with Ubora TZ, your love for Tanzania, and then also to talk about Climb Killy, which is your first ever fundraising event, which is amazing. I think it's very interesting. You have an engineering background, and now you're a nonprofit (laughs) director. So just tell us a little bit about all of that. That'd be great. Quick background. Uh, I grew up, I was this only child. My father had an accident when I was three months old. Um, and, uh, he ended up being a quadriplegic. And so yeah. I ended up growing up being his hands. Mm. And my dad was very, uh, technical. He was a pilot. He did communications work when he was in the air force. And so kind of, I think through that, um, being his hands, I learned to be very hands-on and, and learn a lot more than I would have yeah. uh, earlier in life. Wow. So um, how old were you when that accident happened? I was three months old. And I guess the segue into, you know, how I became an engineer mm-hmm. is we had a family friend who was uh, also a paraplegic uh, from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he knew I was good in math and science. And uh, he had always wanted to go to Georgia Tech, but couldn't due to his injury. And um, I just remember him telling me uh, as I got uh, towards my senior year, he said, hey, Dave, you should go to Georgia Tech. Mm. And uh, so ended up coming up to Atlanta to visit it from Florida. Um, and, um, I remember the guidance counselor saying, you know, we have a lot of valedictorians who fail out. I was not the valedictorian. So it somehow (laughs) registered as a challenge. And, um, somehow is one of those decisions I can't believe I made, uh, at the time, because I usually did not make very good decisions at at 18, (laughs) but, uh, ended up at Georgia tech and, um, and here I am. Wow. So you were able to, to get through all the aggressive classwork. I mean, I always hear about how hard Georgia Tech is. Yeah, it was, um, I was not one of those students who uh, was able to hear the material and then do well. I had to uh, do it by brute force (laughs) and learn to, uh, it took me probably about the first year to realize that I had to study a lot. Sometimes that's what it takes, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) So you got through tech, which was a major accomplishment, and you became an engineer. Right, spent, um, First half of my career prior to Ubora in the manufacturing world, uh, worked at Yamaha, where we made golf cars and jet skis. Oh, fun. Here in the metro Atlanta area. And then uh, switched, uh, went and got my MBA, and uh, ended up in in a short stint in venture capital at Georgia Tech's incubator, and then started a company with folks that I met through that um, in the energy sector. We had a, a couple of patents and um, tried, to, tried to start a company. It was, we call it a, a good uh, base hit. It wasn't a home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, we just are not sure if we were in the minor leagues or in the, <laughs> in the national league. But we, did, you know, we, uh, we started That's the company awesome. and ended up getting acquired and uh, spent three years in Switzerland as a result of that. 
That's awesome. So let's talk about your connection with Ubora and kind of the history. How did that come to be? When we uh, came back from Switzerland, we were looking, my wife and I were looking for a church, uh, and we ended up finding Perimeter. Uh, it really loved the church. We loved the school. And our kids started, started attending Perimeter School. And, and through that, we learned about um, what was then Project Child, mm -hmm. which was a child sponsorship program in Tanzania. And uh, we decided to sponsor three children, one for each of ours, age matched age, mm -hmm. Very cool. And uh, began doing the letters and the, and the phone calls. And it, it was pretty much, that was the extent of our involvement. Until uh, one year, Pastor Warelli and uh, Godfrey, the headmaster of the school in Tanzania, visited Perimeter. And we ended up getting to talk with them and just realized at that moment that the whole experience could be much richer than we had uh, let it be mm. for, I don't know, three or four or five years. Right. And that these children were really real. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was pretty much at that moment we decided that we were going to go uh, on a mission trip oh, uh, nice. over there. And that's when we really got bit yeah. by the Tanzania bug. Yeah. Wow. So for those that don't know, tell us who Pastor Warelli is. Yeah. So Pastor Warelli is the literally the founder of this whole uh, mission. Mm -hmm. uh, he met a member from Perimeter Church, Tim Neat, who runs the Project Child program, uh, met back in 2002 at a conference in Africa. Mm. And um, it was really pastor's prayer um, with Tim out at the land where our school now sits that started this whole thing. Wow. It's really quite amazing that that connection happened. Right. We, you know, people call it a chance meeting in Africa, but we all know that God set that up and yeah. he's known exactly what's going to happen yeah. in all of this, even though we're, or we're all amazed at the, uh, you know, what's happened since right. that prayer. On my recent trip to Tanzania in November 2020, we stood on the hill. The, the hill still sits there on the land, hasn't been built upon yet. We stood right there where that prayer was prayed. And it was a, just a really neat experience to to see uh, what has happened over these 18 years and, and then some of the, the plans that uh, are, in are, are in place now. Unfolding, for <laughs> sure. Come, yeah. So tell us, Dave, a little bit about what has happened over those 18 years. I know, the, I know it's a very mm -hmm. long and robust story, but just give us a high-level overview about the involvement. And I think the thing that is so cool about Ubora is it's a true partnership between the two communities. Wow, how to begin? I think the whole effort started with folks wanting to address uh, widows. Uh, at the time, uh, AIDS was uh, ravaging the region, mm -hmm. and so there were a lot of widows. Right, and this was in early 2000s, right? right? 2002 uh, time frame, and um, a lot of widows, um, a lot of severe poverty, and so the immediate goal was to just address that from a mercy standpoint and provide mm -hmm. help provide some relief right and um you know a lot you know the story goes that you know once you start working with the widows you don't have to look far until you see their their children, children. without fathers so pastor warelli uh, always wanted to start a school mm -hmm. and um and so through and he had some specific thoughts on the school right that the kids would learn to speak english right english medium school 
right? It's a, it's a huge step up in Tanzania because English is the, the language of business. Mm-hmm. So uh, Pastor's thought was that he, he, uh, he had a simple goal. He, he wanted them to be able to read and write in English. Sure. And, um, and just to see, you know, we've come so much further than that even. Yeah. So it started there. Uh, uh, we ended up, uh, the mission, I say we, but the mission ended up uh, building a lot of homes for widows mm-hmm. uh, over the years. Uh, then the school was built, and um, we now have 300 children at the school. The, uh, the, the neat story is that out of this village of hundreds of children, mm-hmm. uh, very few, if any, qualified to go to secondary school. Mm. So that means that you know, they take a test in grade seven, and if they don't do well, their education is done for their life. Oh, wow. And so when we, the mission first started, very few were able to go on to uh, you know, secondary school, middle school, really. And um, now... Uh, nearly every one of our graduates from seventh grade qualify to go to secondary school. That's amazing. I think uh, also the, the thing with Ubor is that uh, we look for what God is doing, mm-hmm. and then he keeps showing, showing us other things, and so it's, you can't stop. And so we keep continuing to partner with our organization there, Shefo. So, for example, as these kids go on to secondary school, well, a lot, a lot of them need help financially to do that. Right. So we, t- we took that step. Mm-hmm. And then they graduate and go into college. And so we have a grant program and a scholarship program. Mm-hmm. So it's a really uh, long-term, right. in-depth relationship. Right. And then there's, you know, helping build the economy so that those graduates have jobs. So, and we're, we're in it, Ubor is in it every step of the way. Uh, but I think it's really cool that it's, it's Pastor Warrielli's vision that we're, it, it continues to drive everything. He is an amazing pastor and leader and Christian. And so his vision, uh, though he came from a small farming background, his vision is, is quite large and uh, it's neat to see God fulfilling that. Yeah, for sure. So talk to me about the importance of that long-term commitment to a very specific area in Tanzania. Right. You know, we, uh, a lot of organizations will, will try to scale and do things across a broad region, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just been led to, uh, to go very deep uh, with the relationships that we build. Mm-hmm. And kind of our thought is that uh, in doing that, those deep relationships will branch out across the country and populate the country with Christian leaders. So that's kind of been our, our thought the whole way through is to go very deep. And, and then by, by way of that, go broad in the nation. Yeah. And what was a community of the poorest of the poor, Right. Right. Reaching in there, loving on them, giving them the tools they need to succeed long term in life. I think it's just such a such a powerful mission. Yeah. So tell me about some of the the partners of Ubora, the nonprofit partners. We work, you know, in America, we work with a handful of partners, uh, some of which are MAP, which provides medicine that is, you know, perhaps a little out of date for use here, but is fine. They've done the work to test that, and it's very uh, helpful medicine. We work with MedShare, who provides uh, medical equipment, mm-hmm. kind of in the same way as hospitals get the latest and greatest. They'll take that older equipment and re- 
refurbish it mm -hmm. for use wherever it needs to be used in the, work, in the world. In Tanzania, we partner with Shefo, Shelter of Hope and Excellence Foundation. They are our feet on the ground. Exactly. Uh, they know the culture, mm -hmm. and um, it's an incredible partnership with them uh, to administer all of the programs that we do yeah. in the region. Right. And then there's books for Africa. Right. And the fact that Ubor has built the first village library in the whole country. And there's a second one. Second one coming, coming. on board. Right. The library effort is a, is a neat story. The first one, uh, we, Ubora talked with Shefo and suggested, hey, let's build a library in the tiny village of Karansi. Honestly, folks didn't really know what, what it a library was. was. And, <laughs> and so they said, sure. And um, ended up bringing over 25,000 books, which have allowed Shefo and uh, Ubora to start a reading program for little children it, adults go in there for agricultural information. We see college students in there just getting nice. extra information for the yeah. coursework. The people are really hungry to learn. And so then uh, we had the opportunity to build another library mm -hmm. uh, in a nearby village. And the people from that village had been to the first library. And uh, so when we asked them if they wanted a library, they said, oh, yes, 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 please, let's build a library. Yeah, that's very cool. And for people who are not familiar with that area, um, I mean, even textbooks in the government-run public schools are seriously precious commodities. They, they just don't have the numbers of textbooks for the kids. Is that not correct? Absolutely. We, we hear stories of public schools with... You know, one textbook for an entire class of 60 kids. Oh my gosh. So the children don't ever really even get to look at the book. They're just hearing the information from the teacher. Uh, as part of that, that first library effort, we had a number of extra textbooks. And the, the, the story goes that one of the headmasters came down and uh, asked for a few textbooks, was asking for two or three textbooks. And we said, well, how many kids do you have in your class? And he said, 60. And we said, well, why don't we give you 30 textbooks? And uh, he, uh, he almost fell over. That story comes full circle when we were back there mm -hmm. over two years after that, visiting that secondary school. The headmaster recognized one of us on the, the team, came running out of his office and was explaining and thanking profusely how much of an impact those textbooks had. And so for us, you know, it's hard to imagine, but, you know, the textbooks and books in general are a, a gateway. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Books for Africa is actually here in Metro Atlanta, and they've been a fantastic partner of Ubora's as well. Can't say enough about Books for Africa. It's amazing what they do. Yeah. So let's talk about volunteer opportunities or ways people can get involved with Ubora. Right. So, you know, bouncing right off of the whole library effort, we in that second library, we are going to need a lot of help uh, going down to Books for Africa to help mm -hmm. sort and uh, find the right books to send to the area. Mission trips. We, yes, we hope. You know, it's I know, before COVID, that was a regular thing where we had mission trips happening around the calendar year. So we're Lord. still a little bit on pause for that because of COVID. But we hope that sometime this year they will resume and really need volunteers in all kinds of areas for that. Absolutely. Right. We, we probably have 300 people that go a year normally. Mm -hmm. And um, as soon as COVID allows, mm -hmm. uh, we'll be starting those back up. 
and we'll certainly need some help there. Yeah. And what kind of expertise or skill sets are you looking at for volunteers for mission trips? We really need people with heartbeat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I joked, no, um, you know, your heart for helping and, and serving is certainly uh, top. But really, I can't think of a profession or a background or an area of expertise that we that couldn't be used in a big way over there. Medical. We have a lot of need for medical coming up. We've got a number of initiatives to do some training for healthcare workers. We're going to be putting on health screening clinics, which just takes a lot of manpower and expertise in the medical arena. If you're a business person, we we're, we've got a number of different things where we're going to be helping businesses, both small you know, little microfinance type opportunities all the way up to large scale operations that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a business background. Yeah. Mentoring recent graduates. Mentoring. That, there's, you know, anybody with a heart there uh, can do that. We have a lot of graduates who just benefit so much uh, from talking with people with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And that goes for, you know, all of our, our sponsors uh, for the children um, the, that mentorship and relationship is amazing, uh, amazingly important, mm-hmm. even more so than the, the actual funding and donations. Right. Yeah. So lots of opportunities to get involved. And Project Child, if you have a heart to sponsor a child, we do have some children available for sponsorship. I think we've got 12 this, uh, here on the 11th of January. Mm-hmm. We've got 12 children left <sighs> or so. And mm-hmm. um as I said, uh, the, the funding is great. Uh, you know, all of that sponsorship money does go to help the children. It, it gives them their place in school, right. gives them a uniform, food, some medical uh, screenings throughout the year. But just as important is the, is the relationship you build with that child. Exactly. And uh, you know, we have stories of kids. Uh, it, it means a lot to them to have a sponsor. Absolutely, absolutely. So Ubora's website, uboratz.org, is really the place to go for, to see kids available for sponsorship and to learn more about, about the mission. Absolutely. So one last thing, very cool. Talk to me about Climb Killy. Ah, first <laughs> annual fundraising event yeah. uh, for Ubora. It's going to be a uh, virtual climb of Mount Kilimanjaro which, um, you know, the region that we serve literally is in the shadow of the mountain. I think it's 25 miles as the crow flies. So on good days when you're there, you can see Kilimanjaro. Uh, And is it just towering? I mean, I haven't been there yet. I mean, I just can't imagine what. It's pretty prominent on the horizon. Um, It's often hidden by clouds. Hmm. It's so high. Um, But so climb Kili, uh, the idea is that uh, you can get out and climb, or I'm sorry, you can get out and hike, walk, or run locally, uh, and then go to the climbkilly.org website and log those miles, and we will track your progress as you climb the mountain virtually. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that. There's going to be some team uh, bantering and competition to get there first. And, uh, uh, and then along the way, we will be uh, feeding information about the mountain uh, it's got five climate zones, mm-hmm. and so we're going to make the experience as real as we can uh, as you log those miles. We'll also be feeding some information about uh, the challenges that the folks in the region face every day. Sure. Yeah. 
So all the money from registration fees, t-shirt sales, fundraising efforts, all of that is going to that community at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro. Right. Seahaw yep. District. The, yeah, it's 100% goes to uh, keeping Ubora operating in the region. Yeah, that's very cool. And while Ubora, really our, our base is here in metro Atlanta, really anybody from anywhere in the world can participate in Climb Kili. You're walking in your neighborhood or you're exploring local uh, local trails. And we love the fact that it's in February. In much of the U.S., you're just kind of, you know, not much going on in February. But for most climates, you can put on a, a jacket and get outside or go to the mall and walk. And it's all going to be in support of a very good cause. Yeah. And I, I, think, uh, I think for me, uh, some of my best conversations in my life Mm-hmm. And prayers and thoughts have happened when I'm walking. Exactly. And so we hope that by feeding the information about the mountain, the information about mm-hmm. the mission, uh, that folks will will be pondering those as they do their walks and hikes and runs throughout the month. Yeah. Well, and I think nature has a way of just kind of giving us a reset. Mm-hmm. And you can just clear your mind and and really kind of focus on and and the information the climbers will receive about the Seahaw district and Ubor I think will be it's just going to be taking in a whole lot of good info and then I hear you have a big announcement we do so uh I'm an outdoor person so this excites me what we're going to do we've got a crew uh who will be going to Tanzania in 2022 uh, for an actual climb of Mount yeah. Kilimanjaro so that's exciting bucket type uh Bucket list type event. Yeah. Uh, we've got, a, like I said, a, a pretty good-sized crew going, and we are really excited to announce that the person, the individual who raises the most on this year's virtual climb will get a free spot on that crew uh, to the roof of Africa that in 2022. Is an amazing announcement. Yeah. Wow. And there's still room to join, right? There's plenty of room. room. We, can, we can expand and... Um, you know, do a couple of different crews if we need to, if it grows uh, too large. Right. And then, uh, we, you know, I can also foresee maybe looking at two different trips if it grows really large, especially if a lot of people in school, school age, yeah. you know, teenagers you know, want to do it. That's awesome. One in June as well. And then the virtual climb, that is going to be a yearly fundraising event for yes. Yeah, We so. see this as, uh, as happening every year. You know, it just makes so much sense with Kilimanjaro being right there. Yeah. You know, when we go back every year, I'm sure we'll... We'll climb, you know, we'll go check out Killy, but we'll also go by the village as well with those who, who end up going. Yeah, that that's amazing. Well, Dave, thank you so much for the work you're doing for Ubora and that community in the shadow of Mount Kilimanjaro. For me, it's such a privilege to to help tell the story and to be on the marketing team. And I'm excited about Climb Killy and possibly climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in 2022. Oh, I thought you were on the list. You're going. Ah. Right <laughs> no, thank you for all you do for yeah. Bora and uh, your amazing talent. Oh, it's, it's a blessing. Okay, guys. So if you want more information, the website, how, can, how do people find out more about Climb Killy? You can go to climbkilly.org. And then the Ubora website is? Uboratz.org. And what does Ubora mean? Bora means excellence in Swahili. Right. And so it's a kind of a uh, guiding principle for our school, you know, over there and, and everything we try to do in, uh, in the organization. I love it. I love it. Okay, people, join us for Climb Killy, and thanks for tuning in. So if you feel you have a restlessness of spirit and that maybe you're not 
fully utilizing the gifts that God gave you to do more, be more, reach higher, I would encourage you to use Dave's story as inspiration. But I believe we're all called to do something. So really give that some reflection. That restlessness of spirit, that's God working on your heart that you need to do something. So I encourage you to reflect, to be prayerful, um, to put pen to paper, to really explore what God, you know, he may be shifting you out of your comfort zone. Let Dave's story inspire you to begin exploring. How else can I serve others? And I promise it will, it will be a magnificent journey for you as well. Thank you, friends. If you're enjoying these episodes of hope and inspiration, please leave a review on the Relevate podcast. Share these episodes with your friends. And I just appreciate you being a listener so much. And I have some really great interviews in the can, as we say. So um, keep listening, keep smiling. And I just am thankful to be your host. This is Rena Olson, and this is Relevate. Hey, this is Leslie Sands with Ubora. Welcome to our February event, Climb Killy. We hope you're super excited, like we are, about virtually climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. I just wanted to share with everybody what it's like when you first land in Africa. No matter how many times I've been there, which is over 14, 15 times now, every time I step off the airplane, I take that first breath of Africa and I feel like I'm home. The smell of the airplane diesel fuel, the campfires off in the distance, um, the sounds of the people, the language, Swahili being spoken all around me, the excitement of the other travelers, it never gets old. And I absolutely cannot wait for you to experience the same thing one day. Oh, oh, oh.